The door of the church creaked open like the slow tearing of a bandage from a wound. Inside, the fire was warm and the red light welcoming, but outside a festering dark lingered, without sight or hope. Thaddeus did not wish us farewell, but only stood at the threshold to watch us go. Yet, even as I turned to thank him a final time for his hospitality, the great door was shut and black night consumed the street. We had our torches, striking orange stars that floated above our heads, but against the faceless void they seemed small and powerless, like matches lit in a cavern. What good would they do against the horrors I had seen only hours earlier? Even now I could hear, rising as a far wind, the wailing chorus in their haunting song. Neater, for his part, regarded the noise with little worry, only smirking towards the street at our backs and shaking his head. What a waste, this world. This city was beautiful once. Or, I think it was. Maybe that was a different place, in a different world. They all become blurred visions in time. He looked down at me. Well, come on, hero. We should be off. Off to our death, I said quietly. I was second-guessing every brave choice made within the church now. It had been easier, with the roaring fire at my feet, to believe I could make way to the center of the city. But now, with the darkness a blank wall before me, my heart had remembered that it was really not so courageous after all. That heart, the heart of Kalen of Marhau, a simple man with few prospects and little to his name, wanted to turn and knock on the church door once more, to request forgiveness for my arrogance and to wait out the dark. But no. If there was one thing I was certain of now, locked as I was in this strange world, it was that Nieder told me no lies. He was perhaps not as forthcoming and truthful as he should be, but he was not hiding secrets either. This world was ending. I could feel it. The rigid stone at my feet was cracking. The walls of the church were withered, and soon the dark would fall entirely and there would be nothing left. It was the rambling of a madman, but the fellow beside me, odd as he was, did not seem mad. He seemed full of purpose. Neither did not answer my question. He turned to the map instead and looked over it with curious eyes. What a fine fellow, that priest. Look, Kalen, he has marked our spot. We have only to take the first road on the left up here, and we will be on our way. On our way into a monster-infested hole, I said. Yes, that is the spirit, Neither answered. He began to walk, and I hurried to catch up. With our torches in hand, the city of Ostwich was revealed, if only in orange shreds that appeared and disappeared just as quickly. It looked to be an old place. The iron railings were rusted, the brick was chipped and crumbling, and the roof slats were falling apart. It had once been beautiful, that much I could tell, but I was seeing the flower long after it had died. There would be no rejuvenation for the failing stone. The street we walked went ahead a few hundred feet before the gaping maw of a crossroads appeared. Neither stopped there. Listen, he said. I turned my ear up. There was a sound like scraping wood somewhere ahead, but in the dark I could not tell if it was on our road or the one we were about to turn down. 
It sounded vaguely familiar. I thought at once of my mimic that followed me when I first arrived, but there was a difference to this tone. It dragged along the earth, never lifting, but never seeming to come nearer either. It was always at the edge of hearing, a whisper that might be forgotten if I turned away. What is it? I asked. I don't know, Nieder said. Not our concern. Either way, monster or man, we have our own way to go. He turned down the left road and I followed after. For the next few hours, we walked in quiet. I admit, the farther we went, the less worried I became. We left the scraping sound far behind and before us was a cloaked silence, wrapped in dark that seemed almost peaceful. There had been no monsters. Even the wailing host had faded into the night. We were alone, two red globes passing through a sea of empty. But for all the peace we enjoyed, I did begin to wonder where we were going. This city seemed endless. Marhau was a large city, one of the biggest in the world, but I was certain I could not have walked for hours without reaching its end. Or maybe we had not been walking for hours. Maybe it had only been minutes and I had somehow lost my place in the dark. The streets were hard to keep track of in our grim light. Buildings just faded to more buildings. Alleys opened like hidden doors, only to be shut as we passed. And the stone road never changed its face. We could have been walking in circles for all I knew. It all looked the same. Then, suddenly, it wasn't. We stepped out of the road and onto a courtyard of black stone. Nieder held up his hands for me to stop and retrieve the map from his jacket. Hmm, yes, he quietly said. This looks like this, and this was that, and so here we are. He pointed his finger to a place in the map that I could not begin to believe was our position. It was barely any distance from where we had started. How big is this city? I said, exhausted and growing frustrated. Oh, very, very big. Much bigger than your Marhau. In fact, ten Marhaus could be put side by side, and they would not be enough. There would even be room for an elegant pool at the end. Which reminds me, I am thirsty. He reached into his jacket and produced a large water skin, from which he drank greedily. When he was finished, he looked at me. Do you want some? Yes. Only at that moment did I realize, with much confusion, that I was not thirsty. I was not hungry either. In fact, beyond the ache in my feet and the weary tightness of my chest, I felt as if I had just woken from a midday nap. I felt fine. No, I said. I don't think I need it. But I also feel like I should. Ah, you have the hero cure. That is good news. It means we have made the right choice, and you really are the chosen one. Wait, what? You could have picked the wrong person, I asked. Oh yes, quite easily. I have done it dozens of times. Not often of late, of course. Ten thousand chances leave you a good deal of practice. But it is very possible. But you have the hero cure. There is nothing to worry about. What is hero cure? I asked. It is what all good heroes get. 
You will not need to eat or drink, and your body will strengthen quickly until you are a hardy chap with strong legs and can run for miles. It takes work, of course. Normally, the crow would have you on some sort of training. You know, years in the wilderness, sword in hand, maybe a bit of magic. But she apparently thought differently this time. So you will have to learn on the run, as they say. It is a fantastic omen, though. In fact, if you had taken my water, I suppose we should have just given up and died here. There would be little point in taking a normal onto this nightmare. Okay, so I have some sort of magical power, I asked, not sure what Nita was telling me. Well, it is not so simple as that. Each hero in each world is different, suited to the task at hand, if you will. One may have a natural intelligence, and another may be unbreakable in body. It varies for the need. It is consistent, however, that all lack a desire for drink and supper, which saves a lot of time. You would not believe how many hours are wasted by people eating. It is quite astounding. Well, what is my gift then? I asked. I did not feel strong or intelligent or even particularly lucky. In fact, I felt very much the same as I had in Marhau long before these events. Just an average fellow who struggled to open heavy doors. That will be seen, I suppose, Nader said. If you live long enough to find out, of course. We pressed on again. The courtyard opened wide. The street behind us disappeared. We were an island of light and endless waters. But thankfully, no longer alone. Statues appeared, startling both of us as they jumped suddenly into the red glow. Each of them was shaped like a single person. A man with a grim face, tall and muscled, with a thin cloak outstretched and a rod in his right hand. I assumed this to be some version of Malor the Lightbringer, for every stone face was the same, and they filled the courtyard like soldiers gathered for war. They were not all identical, though. One had a sword thrust down to the earth, another had a book in one hand and what looked like a scepter in the other. A particularly intriguing one showed the man in a feral state, bent over with his cloak torn and a wild look in his eyes. Gashes in the stone back betrayed wounds, and fire was inferred by black coloring at its base. On and on the statues went, until I began to wonder of their purpose. This went well beyond hero worship. I had been to places at Marhau where certain revered ancestors were remembered, perhaps in paintings or engravings or even relief. But these were in excess, running in rows on either hand and each articulated carefully and finely. Before ten minutes passed, we had gone by at least one hundred, if not more, and still they appeared from the dark as if conjured by our torches. Really like this Melor fellow, don't they? Nieder said. I could see from the narrowing of his gaze that he was as confused as I. What do you suppose they're all doing here? I wondered. Nieder pulled out the map once more and studied it. I would expect to find a church or some nonsense, but there is nothing, he said. Maybe these folks have too much time on their hands. The world ending brings a strange boredom. I have noticed people tend to apathy and sleepy days. And, well, they seem to idle along until the end has arrived. But this does not seem like idle work, I said. 
Someone, or many someones, took great care to make these. I spun then to look back, to compare one statue to the next, but I cried out when I saw a reflecting light in the dark. Two red orbs waited in the shadows just beyond the torches. They were seething rubies with many faceted edges that glinted as their bearer turned. Meter, I breathed. My strange guide spun. Oh, well that is something, he said. Even as he spoke, the red globes winked out, only to be replaced by two more, equidistant and level with the last. A moment later, two more appeared on the same line. Then the center eyes returned. Then four more appeared. Then a dozen. The vacant night we had passed was no longer empty. It was glittering with hateful stars. My heart leaped. How long had this thing, or things, been chasing us? silently waiting for our steps to falter or our light to fail. What evil waited beneath the glow? That last question was answered shortly. Neither, with all the bravery and foolishness I could fathom in the man, stepped forward and said, Do not lose your torch, lad, and in one motion threw his own light far afield towards the floating glares. For a brief flash of tumbling red, the torch illuminated our pursuer. It was a singular creature, or so it looked to be, though it was hard to tell in my fear. It was a boiling mass of flesh and bone, tooth and claw, and dozens of rage-filled eyes that dotted a distended form. It was difficult to discern even in the light. It seemed to shake and waver, like glass rattle from an earthquake, and its many arms, if, if arms they could be called, shivered and jerked in strange motion. I could see no legs, yet... I felt speed and power in this thing, born beneath crimson sinew and time-weary joints. It made no sound or flail, nor did it decry the torch neither threw. The abomination only raised from its back a single, angular limb, and in one motion swiped afar the light, casting it to the left and well beyond reach. But that was not the end of terror. For as the cast light flew on, I beheld, flashing in the sweeping flame, many figures, small and large, stumbling on broken legs and agonized flesh, crawling upon the earth or hastening by foot. Yet they made no sound. No horror-filled cries came forth. The night was teeming with dark and silent fiends, and they all converged on my single lonely light. "'Ah,' Neeter said." I noted then a true look of fear passed before his brow, and he sucked in a chilling breath. We should run, he said, and turned on his heel, and together we hurried into the dark.